It's Scott Walker here. It's uh, Friday, October 11th. You're on You Can't Recall Courage, our weekly podcast. Thanks for joining us. Uh, last night, I was down in Beloit College, actually not too far from my own stomping grounds. I grew up in Delavan, small little town, and down the way was Beloit. Actually, Janesville was pretty close to that as well, but Beloit. Uh, in fact, I joked with the crowd last night, said my very first homecoming date was at the uh, place called the Butterfly Inn in uh, Beloit, just outside of town. Still looks kind of the way it was, a wonderful supper club. Uh, in fact, actually, I mentioned that. Somebody texted me later that Mike, the owner there, a great guy, was actually uh, in attendance at the event. So a lot of students, but also a lot of folks from the community, supporters, others along the way. And this was one of those events so, uh, sponsored by YAF. So Young Americas uh, for Freedom are the uh, chapters of Young Americas Foundation on college campuses all across this great country. One of them is Beloit College. You might have heard about Beloit College a while back, earlier this past year, where they had a speaker, and the folks who didn't want to hear from them actually, I guess, stacked up all of their chairs on the stage, which prevented the speaker from actually getting onto the stage. Last night's event was in an area that almost, it wasn't a church, obviously, but it looked kind of like a church on campus. It was... um, they actually had pews in there, so there was no way you could do that. They had things arranged nicely, and I joked at the end that the crowd was very civil. There were you know, a series of, of interesting and challenging questions, uh, but I, I joked that people must have listened to Ellen's uh, little uh, video and uh, presentation on her show the other day about civility and pushing back on all the people who were hyped up because she was sitting next to President or former President George W. Bush. Uh, because folks, again, they asked some difficult questions. It was my honor to to, uh, to serve as the interviewer. We had uh, former Vice President Dick Cheney, of course, Vice President under President George W. Bush, tenure as President of the United States, and uh, he joined us at Beloit College for an hour last night. Uh, a couple interesting things about that. Um, so in, instead of doing a speech, the Vice President wanted uh, more of a interactive format. I think, you know, in the past, I remember he was quite good at that, doing the morning shows and on Sundays and so forth. And, and uh, so I asked him a series of questions to begin with, but then they had this kind of cool deal. They took questions from the crowd uh, so that you weren't getting a hundred of the same questions or, you know, ridiculous ones like, are you going to run for president or something like that? Uh, they gave me an, an iPad that I held up on stage where it would just cue through the questions. And so, you know, wide range of questions, out there. But one of the things, though, that got my interest to begin with was because of all the hype uh, about uh, not only the vice president being on campus, Vice President Cheney, but, but me being on, uh, it was interesting, all the hype and concern. And apparently there were some protesters outside. But again, Vice President Cheney and I are, are pretty <laughs> pretty accustomed to that. Um, but it was interesting. So the president of Beloit College sends out uh, this email to people on campus. And Yaf uh, pointed this out yesterday. It's it's interesting to me. So it comes out um, it comes out yesterday. It says, "Dear Beloit College community, as you know, former Vice President Dick Cheney will be speaking on a campus at seven uh, this evening, sponsored by Young Americas for Freedom, a recognized student club. We realize that many of our community have strong feelings at a foundational level with decisions Mr. Cheney has made from a variety of positions of power. Many also disagree with ethical positions he's taken and the underlying." philosophy holds that uh, that govern those. Having said that, there are also many others on and off campus who see the visit by him as a chance to learn from this influential figure. 
We are a learning community that, quote, engages the intelligence, imagination, and curiosity, unquote, with the goal of, quote, approaching the complex problems of the world ethically and thoughtfully, unquote. The statement of student culture echoes this mission by stating, quote, we are committed to the development of our abilities to critically engage every answer, authority, change, and condition we confront, unquote. As a community that holds these values, we must tolerate the articulation of viewpoints that differ from our own and listen and speak about, across boundaries. We encourage thoughtful and respectful responses to Mr. Cheney's visits, such as, and they have two bullet points. Uh, one bullet point says, <laughs> nothing like right on cue there, attending the talk and questioning thoughtfully to hold this elected official accountable to his record. Second bullet point says, protesting visibly in a way that does not interfere with the speaker's ability to speak and the audience's ability to hear and engage the speaker. The email continues, the essence of these responses is that no subject of the community, uh, no subset of the community has the authority to dictate what visiting speaker opportunities other members of the community are allowed to hear. This is both true of the speaker and the dissenters. People who attend tonight's lecture have the right to hear Mr. Cheney if they want and the right to witness protest, both, not just one or the other. No subset of the community is given the authority to bridge these rights. Beloit College's policies are constructed and implemented with those goals in mind. Signed by the president, provost, dean of students. Okay, so interesting thing about that. The good news is um, if the intent was to tell people, hey, you can protest if you want, you can speak out if you want, but make sure that the speaker can be heard and that the people who come to hear can hear that's great. So if that's, you know, if it, if that's how high the bar is, uh, they easily hit that. Uh, they didn't hit that uh, uh, months earlier when a different uh, speaker who, I don't know if you even call it conservative, was someone with a military background, was going to come on campus, basically got shut down. He still wanted to go out, but they were concerned about security and other issues along that way. So they, they made the appropriate accommodations to make sure that could happen. But my goodness, more than just what uh, Vice President Cheney said last night, we live in a country where free speech is emboldened in our Constitution, where everyone, I don't care what your background, rich or poor, regardless of race, sex, you name it, anything you can, you can define yourself as, free speech is protected. As long as you don't violate the rights of others, you know, as long as the, the, the test we all learned about when we were kids, you know, you can't uh, cry fire in a in a crowded theater, there isn't really a fire, but short of abridging someone's other's, uh, other's rights out there, uh, everyone has free speech rights. And if anywhere, it, it should not only be a given, it, it should be embraced and supported and uplifted is on college campuses. And time after time after time, uh, we've heard of speakers almost universally on the right, uh, people who are right of center, whether they're conservative on social, economic, military, or otherwise policies, uh, are shut down, prevented, blocked, protested in a way that interferes with their ability to communicate with the audiences and the individuals that thought to, to bring them to those campuses. Now, again, I give them credit. They are, in, in full disclosure here, they are saying, hey, you know, do not interfere with the speaker's ability to speak and the audience's ability to hear and engage the speaker. But I got to ask myself, I think this is a legitimate question for all of you listening. And this campus is like that. How many times does an email go out about a left of center speaker or any other speaker, for that matter, who's not a conservative, where it suggests to them that, again, you go back to these points that said, 
you know, as a community that holds these values, we must tolerate the articulation of viewpoints that differ from our own and listen and speak across boundaries. When else would you imagine someone in the leadership of a college or university saying, hey, hold them accountable and, and be willing to protest? Uh, again, I got nothing against protest. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm used to seeing protests in the past. I've, I've uh, protested uh, myself, not to the extent that some have, but when I was in college, Michael Dukakis showed up. He was a candidate uh, running for president of the United States at the time. We held up signs about his very liberal and extreme positions in Massachusetts. But we didn't stop him from speaking. We, we didn't interfere in his speech. We held signs up outside of the places he was at so that the, the message would get out, and that's perfectly fine. And I got no problem with me or Cheney or anyone else who comes to one of these events doing that. But the amazing thing is, uh, again, just the standard out there. Is the standard the same? Maybe I'm missing this. Maybe every time a speaker comes on campus, they encourage them to hold the speakers accountable and to consider protesting, albeit peacefully. Um, but I just can't imagine that's not just a standard held for this particular speaker or speakers like that. And uh, so that's one of the, th the things I just thought was kind of interesting. And we see it all the time. It's one of the reasons why I'm excited in the future to be the president-elect and eventually the president of YAF, yaf.org, and get more details on that, because they're bringing not just Dick Cheney, but Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Art Laffer, speaker after speaker across America onto campuses, and um, really challenging the status quo and making people think, and not just bringing speakers in, but fighting for free speech rights, not only for these speakers, but for young people to be able to, to actually have you have chapters to talk about the difference between uh, really socialism, uh, as it fundamentally is, not just an economic policy, but an overall policy versus freedom. Not just free enterprise, but freedom. I want to talk to you a little bit more about what Vice President Cheney said and a little bit more thought about what's happening on our college campuses. Let's take a quick break. I'll be right back. It's Scott Walker. You're back here on You Can't Recall Courage, our weekly podcast. And uh, I mentioned I was at Beloit College last night uh, interviewing and providing questions from the crowd for former Vice President Dick Cheney. It's interesting. We, I asked him a series of things, and he made it very clear at one point that, that uh, while he hadn't been involved in the primary process, that when Donald Trump became the nominee, he supported him, voted for him. Just uh, mentioned not too far back, early this summer, I guess, he and his daughter Liz Cheney, who's a member of Congress, actually in the seat he once held, uh, in Wyoming, as well as being the conference uh, chair, which is one of the highest ranking positions in leadership, a position he once held as well. Uh, he and Liz uh, Cheney had a, who, who by the way, was actually born in Madison, Wisconsin, little known fact. Uh, Dick and Lynn Cheney were graduate students at the time at the University of Wisconsin and, and living there, and that's where she was born. So I like to think besides Wyoming, Wisconsin had a little bit of an impact on the Cheney family. But we were talking about a series of things last night, and, and he made it clear that he continues to support the president, and he looks at the, the field of people running and how radical and liberal and socialist they are. Uh, but, but there were some differences, and, and he's not alone in that. You know, um, Lindsey Graham, a, a fierce defender of the president in many, many venues on many subjects, uh, has been speaking out as others like Marco Rubio and many others, particularly with military backgrounds, uh, are concerned. And I asked the vice president, about that last night, about the Kurds and Syria and Turkey and the concerns there about the fact that the, how, the, uh, really not just for what's happening in the present moment, but the long-term impact where the Kurds had been allies of ours in the past, 
helped us, uh, continue to help us in terms of pushing back against ISIS. Thought it was pertinent question or pertinent uh, topic in relations to one of the questions that came up about 9-11 and reminding the young people in the audience, many of whom were just babies at the time of the attacks on 9-11-2001, about not only what happened, but about who did that to us. It's, it's one of the things I brought up last month. It wasn't just something happened, as uh, some in Congress have suggested by some people. Uh, these were terrorists who didn't just randomly target the United States. They didn't just randomly target things like New York City and Washington, D.C. They wanted to terrorize Americans and the rest of the world. Anyone who was freedom-loving out there, they wanted to terrorize them, uh, which is why they purposely picked uh, locations uh, that went at the heart of both our, our fundamental rights, uh, the foundations of our government, our economic uh, stability. And uh, it's one of those where it, it, it's why, again, it's one of these issues that goes all across the political spectrum. When you look at Syria, Turkey, the Kurds, uh, some real fundamental concerns there. And that was something the vice president brought up. I uh, talked about other things, uh, but one of the interesting topics that came up, and there's an update on this today, uh, I was just looking at uh, my ESPN app, and it talked about uh, one of the people following the teams playing in the NBA, and it said that Saturday's game, which is not too far off, I think it's it's just early afternoon in uh, on Saturday in China, whereas it's midday here in the United States, uh, or mid-morning, I should say, uh, it pointed out that Saturday's game between the Los Angeles Lakers and Brooklyn Nets is scheduled to be played to conclude uh, the 2019 China games. However, the teams involved won't be talking about it. That's right. Um, so <laughs> they were able to have the game, uh, but only with the stipulation by the Chinese government, mandating that no media availability of any kind would be held at the game and that NBA commissioner Adam Silver had to cancel his pregame news conference. Uh, they have to do the same thing for Saturday's game, which is coming up uh, probably while well, most of us will be asleep on Friday night. Uh, but they said, quote, we have decided not to hold media availability for our teams for the remainder of our trip in China, the NBA announced in a statement on Friday. They have been, uh, they have been placed into a complicated and unprecedented situation while abroad, and we believe it would be unfair to ask them to address these matters in real time. Wow. <laughs> I mean... This is amazing. We live in a time where we've seen over the last few years that professional athletes will take a knee and, as many of us believe, dishonor uh, the military veterans who served and many died to protect not just that flag, but the freedoms it represents for all Americans, regardless of partisan or any other uh, affiliation, uh, that that is an affront that you can protest, you can do anything else you want about American policies, but taking a knee during the national anthem is somehow a badge of honor. It's something to be embraced and that some people profit off of uh, because of deals from Nike and others out there. So athletes can take a knee uh, during the national anthem and dishonor our, our, the American flag and all that it stands for, but they can't even hold a press conference. They can't even be allowed to talk uh, while being in China, a country that that literally has a government that, that uh, we see right now is failing to fulfill the promises that were made when the transition of power was agreed to from Britain uh, with Hong Kong uh, to China uh, that has continues to have uh, 
well-documented problems uh, with human rights violations and with oppression, particularly religious and ethnic minorities uh, within that country. Uh, this, uh, it, it's just amazing to me. Uh, and it, what I mentioned last night in, in discussing this and other topics with Vice President, former Vice President Cheney is this is a real-time example. If, if people in general, but particularly if young people, students and millennials and others uh, and those just coming up in high school and junior high are, are, are trying to open their eyes and their minds to what the world's like today and they hear all this wonderful talk about socialism, uh, this is the difference. This is happening in real time right now. We see examples in China, as we've talked about before, in Venezuela. In Venezuela, a country that a decade and a half ago was one of the wealthiest countries in this hemisphere. You've now got nine out of ten Venezuelans living in poverty. You see the oppression. You see the crackdown they had earlier this year when the whole thing with Maduro and pushing back on dissenters and um, even shutting down access to some of the social media and, uh, and Google and other things in that country. You see those sorts of things happening all the time in China. And now you've got professional sports teams where they're not even allowed to hold a press conference, uh, which is obviously a routine thing here in the United States out there. If this was happening in any one of our individual states, if a state government here in the United States of America and these United States were to say, oh, no, no, no we don't want any criticism uh, about, I mean, think about that a few years ago when there was all that talk in North Carolina about boycotts over some legislation that had been signed into law. Imagine if North Carolina said, oh, nope, nope, you can't talk about that. We're going we're gonna to shut that down. The teams can't talk about that. People would be irate. And, and yet somehow this is okay because they're in China. This is okay to look the other way. Well, wake up, people. This is exactly what happens uh, when you, you know, the claims of socialism promise prosperity, but they lead to poverty. The claims of socialism say that it's power for the masses, power for the people, but instead it really, really puts the power in the hands of the few and in all too many examples, uh, the corrupt uh, in many parts of the world out there. And so uh, this is just an incredible wake-up call. It's one of those things where it was a great opportunity to have this kind of discussion at Beloit College. I'd love to have uh, not just on the broad range of topics, but, but just on this specifically. It'd be great to have some more discussions about China and Hong Kong and the NBA and just how to whack things are in this world today. Uh, we'll talk more about that in the coming weeks ahead. Um, check us out at scottwalker.com. We've got a new website up there, and we'll be adding some new additions along the way. Uh, we uh, we love uh, appreciate you tuning in each week on You Can't Recall Courage our weekly podcast. And then until next time, keep fighting for freedom.